When Callaway introduced the Apex Irons, they created the Player's Distance Iron category. Now they've redefined it with the Apex 21, the first forged irons designed with artificial intelligence. Apex's classic forged craftsmanship is paired with futuristic AI for a combination of tour feel, incredible distance, and shot-making control. In 21, there's an Apex for everyone. With the Apex, the Apex Pro, and the new forgiving Apex DCB. Nothing delivers everything like Apex. Find your Apex at CallawayGolf.ca. Four members of a family in London, Ontario were killed and their young son injured when a driver plowed into them. That driver has been charged with murder and police say it's a hate-motivated crime. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. London Free Press reporters Jennifer Beeman and Jonathan Juha join me to talk about the victims, the police investigation, and how this horrific crime has rocked London. Don't forget you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and we're now available on Amazon Music. Don't forget to leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Jonathan, many Canadians were horrified by news out of London earlier this week with the deaths of four family members when a driver hit them with his vehicle. Can you break down what exactly happened on Sunday? Well, the first reports that came from police, they were called to the north end of the city at about 8.40 p.m. They had received reports of several pedestrians being hit by a vehicle. Emergency responders arrived at the scene and transported four people to hospital. One person actually was declared dead at the scene and then transported the other four people to hospital. Three of them would also die of the injuries. That would be the dad, the mom, and a 15-year-old girl. And a nine-year-old boy would survive and it remains in hospital with serious injuries. From there, police obviously hailed the scene started their investigation and it seems like a few minutes just minutes after the, the crash happened they arrested the suspect not far from the scene of the crash and as we all know now that suspect has been charged with four counts of first degree murder and one count of attempted murder and police have described this attack as a hate and rationally motivated attack what do witnesses say happened was this family just you know out for a walk standing on the side of the road or waiting for a light what have you heard from people who were at the scene for witnesses, uh, yeah, they were simply, you know, going out for a walk. It was a very nice summer night on Sunday. They were just at one of the corner. It seems like they were just trying to cross. And according to what police have said, that's when the vehicle mounted the curb and struck the family. All, all of them are members of the same family and just sped and, and, and continue. Uh, did not stop for a second. It simply went on its way going south on Hyde Park Road, which is the street where this happened. Jennifer. What have we learned about the family so far since this attack? They were just simply a model family. I, I don't know really what else to say about them. They were just a perfectly wonderful group of people from everything we're hearing from their friends and colleagues. Salman, the father, the 46-year-old that died, um, he, he was a physiotherapist. He worked in geriatric care. He worked at at least three nursing homes in the London area in small towns, you know, tending to seniors giving them a good quality of life so they can move without pain like he, he cared for people Medija, the mother she was just brilliant a scholar who came to canada from pakistan who did her master's at western and was really really close to completing a phd in environmental engineering and yumna the 15 year old bright like her mother an artist painted a mural in the mosque basement and 
uh, you know, the, the grandmother we're learning more about as well. And, and the boy, the nine-year-old, was orphaned in an instant by this horrific atrocity. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, he was like any other nine-year-old boy, just, you know, love and life, going to school at the London Islamic School, you know, really committed to his faith, uh, just like his family. Is the surviving son still in hospital? Does he have a long road to recovery here? So he's still in hospital. Uh, we don't have a lot of information from police on his condition, but, you know, he was very seriously injured along with his family. So I would assume and the Muslim community is really rallying around him in his recovery. Jonathan, you mentioned that within minutes of this multiple homicide, the suspect was caught. How did police narrow in on him? Was it through witness statements? Did people happen to point them in the direction of him? Or was it just a case of they happened upon this vehicle? The accounts that we have been able to compile talking to witnesses is this one of a taxi driver who was actually parked at the parking lot at Cherry Hill Mall here in London. We didn't speak directly with him. We talked to the owner of the company, Yellow London Taxi, because the the taxi driver was so, so traumatized by what he saw. But he recounted being there and then seeing a black pickup truck just arriving into the parking lot, parking behind him and the driver telling him, call police, I just killed someone. The taxi driver then called 911 thinking that this was a hit and run situation. And he also recounted, you know, seeing a police officer, uh, a vehicle passing by as well, and him running to alert the officer. And once he did that, the police officer pulled over into the parking lot and reinforcements uh, arrived and uh, and arrested the, the, the suspect. The taxi driver also described that the driver, the accused in this case, was laughing hmm. as he was uh, arrested by police. And he also described that he was wearing like a bulletproof vest, like a military style helmet and having this sort of like military look uh, to him. That's what the, the witness said. Mm-hmm. And then uh, right there is when he's uh, apprehended. And so, yeah. As you said, when police announced charges, they announced four counts of first degree murder. Also talked about this being a racially motivated killing. Did they indicate what led them to those charges and that belief about this attack? Well, London police have actually remained very tight-lipped about how they came to that conclusion and why they decided to lay the first-degree murder charges. They say that they collected information from a variety of sources, including online, but they have not really given any specific piece of information that would say with certainty why they came out with that conclusion. But it's one that they have uh, defended. The police chief, Steve Williams, called the attack again uh, racially motivated, saying that, that this family was targeted mainly because of their faith. But it's still unclear at this point what specifically led to that conclusion. I guess it's something that we're going to be learning, I guess, while the case goes through the court system. But police have simply said that they're not releasing any of their investigative details at this point. Mm-hmm. And I imagine the cases before the courts, we, we might get some of that information as the court process unfolds. I do want to get to a little bit more about the accused in this case in a little bit. But Jennifer, I'm wondering if you can talk about, you know, what the reaction has been in London to these killings. I imagine there's been a lot of outpouring of grief, of outpouring of support for the victims, both the ones killed and and the boy who survived. But also I imagine there's a sense that with a race-based killing, with a racially motivated hate crime, essentially, that we're also getting some sense that this kind of hate is something that people in the community have had to deal with or deal with on a daily basis. What are you getting a sense of on the ground for how London is reacting? So we're certainly all just gutted. I mean, even 
you know, I, I didn't know these family. I'm just a reporter. I'm, I'm being put on this story and this is what I'm doing. But, you know, there's been moments where you just feel this just horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach. Mm-hmm. You just kind of want to, you're kind of holding back tears. And it's just like really, really next level awful. You know, like any, any other community in Canada, we've been 15 months in a pandemic and that's really tested a lot of people and kept us from a lot of the support systems and some of the things we used to enjoy. And then the residential schools news last week as well. So there's, there's just a lot of heavy things happening. And then to add this on top is, is just been, it, it's really hurt and broken a lot of people. There's a lot of anger here that how, how could this happen? And that came out at the vigil last night for the family that there was just this push of like, enough is enough. Because, you know, for a lot of Londoners, violence against a religious group isn't something we think of every day. It's not something that's top of mind, because we're privileged enough that we don't have to think about it. But there are a lot of Londoners who are acutely aware of, of just this kind of, of thing. And so the support that non-Muslim Londoners have shown for this community is heartening. But certainly, there's really a moment here where our Muslim neighbors are asking for more. They're asking for us to recommit to this kind of awareness of this issue. And Jennifer, what about the political class in London? What are leaders in the community saying in regards both to the nature of the attacks, but also what the community, what the city has to do going forward? Well, the political class was out in full force at the vigil, certainly, and, and they've been very, very quick to condemn and decry what happened. And that's that's a given, of course, with such a horrific tragedy. I think we're still in early days here. This happened on Sunday night. It's still really raw. And I think in the next weeks and months and days, we're going to start seeing more discussion about concrete ways that we need to address this and to keep it in our hearts for a longer time than just, you know, when the, the national news spotlight is off of London. I'm really thinking that there will be in time, sooner than later, a discussion about where London needs to be as a city and what we need to do to heal from this, both Muslims and non-Muslims in London. Jonathan, as you mentioned earlier, the accused, when he was taken into custody, there was talk that he had laughed uh, as he was being arrested. Also, he was wearing like some sort of body armor or a helmet. What do we know about this guy? What do we know about his past? What do we know about his online activity? Or are we still trying to figure out who this person is? We have been able to collect, you know, small pieces to try to put together a clear picture of who Nathaniel Bellman is. Uh, we know a few details, for example, he obviously police said he was 20 years old, but he grew up in Strathroy. He had apparently moved to London not too long ago, within the last uh, six months, uh, perhaps for a possibility of studying here in the city. He worked part-time at an egg farm in Strathroy. And we know a couple of things, perhaps, from talking, you know, from neighbors where he lived, people who have described him as a very introverted guy, a little bit of a, you know, a loner kind of thing who played video games, kept to himself mostly. It appeared that he had had a few issues with some of his neighbors just because of the noise complaints coming from his unit from playing video games late at night. So we are putting together a little bit of a profile or, or what we can get but the details have been very scarce from police. Police are saying, for example, that he didn't have a past criminal, a criminal record, but he had had some interactions with other police forces. Nothing serious, but he was not really known to London police. And when it comes to the online presence, that, that has been something that has been at least surprising to me. It has been, for a 20-year-old, it has been really hard to find information about him and pictures and perhaps something that may give us a little bit more of a clue of who he was, given the world that we live in and his age. So that has been a little bit of a barrier finding information about him online. With a crime like this, 
racially motivated, police say, motivated by hate. Is he facing any different charges, any special charges related to that? Or is it just a case of first degree murder and this is the motive that we're implying and we're just going to prosecute based on this criminal code first degree murder statute? Well, London police uh, on Monday say that they were looking at the possibility of also laying terrorism related charges, but they were sort of like doing their due diligence to see if uh, under Canadian law it was something that could be done. There has not been any update from police in that regard. No new charges have been laid at this point. But London police did say that given the nature of what, again, what they believe to be a racially motivated crime, a hate crime, that they were looking at other possibilities and see if any additional charges, especially uh, terrorism-related, could be laid. Now, Jennifer, as you said, huge outpouring of support by the community, support for the family. We have a nine-year-old victim who, as you said, is you know orphaned in an instant. Do we get a sense of how the community may come together to help this boy get past this? Does he have other family in Canada? Does he have other supporters in the region? What happens next for him? So we do know he has, obviously, some family still out there. There were a couple that were at the vigil last night. Um, they were you know, kept away from kind of the, the craziness of the crowds and things, but they were certainly there. Mm-hmm. The imam at the vigil last night made a very poignant moment. He said, you know, he's our son now. So he's being fully, fully embraced by the community that he's part of. That family was a pillar in the London Muslim Mosque and in, in that community. Even people that weren't close friends with them knew them, liked them, had favorable views of them. They were just really kind, devoted people. And so there's a couple of GoFundMes that have just cropped up and have had tremendous, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars just to try to support this child as he grows up. And, you know, I think there's a big push from Londoners to really build a better world for this young boy, a better one than the one that took away his whole family. You know, a horrible case. Canadians are following, paying attention to. And, you know, we're all curious to see what happens next for the accused in this and also for the young boy who lost his family. Jennifer, Jonathan, thanks for your time. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. 103 is produced by Sean Knox, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guests, Jennifer Beeman and Jonathan Juha. More from them at LondonFreePress.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.